welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Radio Pink Elephants podcast for the IT management community. This is episode 31. Over that bed comp. Hey, it's Chris Dancy, and I'm here with Mr. Troy Dumoulin. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Uh, doing well, doing well. It's been a long time. It seems that way, but in some ways it seems like just yesterday. But Common is the New Block, episode 30. People seem to like that. Yeah, you know, global process. You go to this global. This, everyone's got to deal with some kind of regional differentiation or supplier. So it's really, really relevant as a subject. So, Troy, I'm always trying to figure out why this show is so much more successful than anything else I'm involved in. And, and of course, it's you and you don't let me get away with that. No. But I, I think it's because people are learning and I'm learning. And it kind of got me thinking about the different types of learning that are going on today. Yes, you know, we're not all made from the same mold. I guess that's the obvious assumption. So why do we think that the same learning style, the same learning approach is effective in all cases? You know, we've been put through the machine of our public education system, and it's not really geared towards different learning styles. If you happen to be a kinesthetic learner and you're going through the public system, hey, good luck with that, because it's mostly auditory or visual well yeah there's i don't if and again i'm sorry to show my cultural ignorance or xenophobia but in canada do you have something called montessori schools oh yeah we do um, in fact my wife's very interested in that as well and there's different levels and models so we have in the private sector private school concept different learning styles and approaches very much in line with what we're talking about today and some kids thrive in those schools where they just don't in the public system. Yeah, I, I don't really know what they are. I just know that growing up and having friends, that, and especially now that I'm an adult, with, uh, well, now that I'm aged like an adult, I have friends who have children, and you know they rave about Montessori schools. And of course, I, I went to a, a Catholic school, so uh, that was a, you know, same, you know, like you said, style teaching. But today we have so many new, I guess, technologies and new ways of approaching teaching. And I know that you guys have been involved in some of this at Pink Elephant. So can we explore a little bit of your your ideas and thoughts around this? Yeah, so education, of course, is one of the major things that we do at Pink Elephant. Uh, because when we try to help people take knowledge and translate that into results, it all starts with knowledge. Right? We're all trying to learn about something practical or some problem we have, solve it and, and get through that. And I think that's actually one of the reasons the show is so popular is we really deal with practical situations and uh, help people to basically get through those. So even this conversation, these sessions we have is part of this education philosophy. And I think we actually have different type of educational experiences. We have the classic certification, of course, if you want to go and get your ITIL expert or master's level certification. Uh, But we've really believed a long time that there's differences between education, which is knowledge transfer and understanding principles and concepts and skills-based learning, which is where I actually learn to do my job. And there's a difference there. We talked about that in one of our shows around ITSM projects, where there's education and skills-based training, and you need to combine both. Okay. So 
when you look at things like simulations, everything, you know, like Paul Wilkinson's ABCs, which we, I think there was a Pink 10 and Pink 11. Uh, we had those maybe again we're coming up, uh, Pink, Pink 12, Pink 13. Uh, there's, a, there's this aspect of gamification that comes into it. I guess because, you know, I, I, being a part of the Pink team, you know, I watched Ray Garrett teach and... She's one of those people that just mesmerizes me while she's teaching. <laughs> but I also watched Ray Garrett once do a ABC workshop. And what types of feedback are we seeing, I guess, would be, before we get too deep into the differences, from an organizational standpoint, are you getting different types of feedback based on the learning model? You know, and that's a very good point you're making. We get different types of feedback based on the organization or people we're dealing with. Mm. Some people really love it. Some people are really into this concept of gamification, which in my word, in my world is another word for experiential learning. Mm-hmm. You know, do it and then learn how to, you know, figure out how to improve it. And some people really like the classroom style. In fact, um, this is where I've recently been introduced to a new model. You mentioned Jan, well, Jan and Paul, and they introduced me to the Kolb model, K-O-L-B, which is some learning philosophy that was published in 1984. And all, you know, for I actually have a degree in education and I've got that background. And I learned all about, you know, hands-on kinesthetic type teaching styles and audio or, or visual preferences. That's been around for years or eons. But this, this new model talks about different types of learning styles around different type of personality and culture. And this concept of experiential learning, where simulations come into bear really has an important ramification for a certain type of people. So we're going to put up the picture, right? The cold model. Yep. It's in the, it's in the show notes, which is on Troy's blog. If you're listening and you're like, where is this stuff? It's on Troy's blog, or you can go to over the service here blog and look for practitioner radio. So he talks about four different kinds of learning styles, four different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. So there are people who really like to get a concrete experience first. They need to experience something before they can actually understand it. And when they experience it, then they can reflect on, okay, how does this apply in other situations? People who are very strong in brainstorming. And I see this and experience this firsthand. Now it occurs to me how this could apply in this and this and this different situation. So he calls these people, people who have a diverging, you know, he uses fancy terms, but it's really experience and then reflect about how can I use this? So there are those kind of people who have this diverging style of learning. Then he talks about people who are more about, tell me the principles, the theories, show me the models, show me the frameworks, teach me the concept first, and then I'm going to reflect on how do I draw these things together? How do I connect the dots? If anyone's familiar with Myers-Briggs, these two models are relevant if you understand there's the intuitor, and this is the diverging concept of experience and then what can I do with it? The intuitor gets something new and they think of brand new things, right? They think of new forests and new trees and they think of things that weren't even in their experience, but this kind of prompted them to kind of go in a different way, different thinking process. So this intuition jumps in and these new ideas are fed by this experience, totally sometimes non-related. But then there are sensors Show me building block A, B, C, D, and I will rearrange those in ways that no one's ever thought of before. These are the assimilators. And that's actually me. I'm actually pretty quick at, you know, coming up, show me half a dozen models and I'll show you how to bake a new cake. Mm. But I'm not going to come up with new ingredients. I'm going to use the things you've presented to me and then reflect on how these things come together. 
That is the assimilator. So they're initially giving me some abstract information. This is the classic, I'm sitting in a, you know, in a desk or in a pew, give me the theory and I'll figure out how to apply it because that's how I can internalize things. But then there are two experiences uh, or learning styles which are more on the experiential side. So there's the people who need to experience the pain of the current situation and then they want to do this experimentation. What can I do with this? So they want to you know, look at this, technically decompose it, and they want to be able to then apply it themselves in their own organizations first. And then the people who would want to give me the theory and then let me do something with it. So there's the do side of this. So the interesting thing is, and the listing of these again is diverging is that person who needs to experience the pain and then reflect how they, they can get around it. The assimilating is the person who needs to experience the concept, the abstract thinking, and then reflectively, internally, in their own brain, figure out all the pieces connected. The accommodating is the person who needs to feel the pain and then wants to solution it right there, like the support analyst who has the incident and they go right into you know fix mode. And then the converging who wants to get the principle, but then go back and immediately apply it. And if they don't apply it, then they're, they're not really grasping how to do this. You following me so far? Mm. So it sounds complex, but here's my observation. If you read the cold model and you look for some trendy type words, it's the accommodating and the converging, which talk about the, these are technical people who like the, you know, the, the technical concepts or the people who show them something and they want to make a gut decision based on what you've just shown them. I believe personally that the technology type of culture, the individual who is uh, more apt to follow a technology type career, right? Maybe more the operations guys, the people who are more geeky, they're going to follow more of the give me the hands on first before you teach me anything conceptual because I need to experience an experiment. I can only internalize conceptual when you actually give me something to hold on to. Don't expect me to sit in the class and listen to you and then figure out how to apply it. I just can't do that in my head. They're hands-on. So what the challenge here, though, is if most of the education you're putting the people through are the classical, you know, watch and then figure out what to do with what you just heard or watched. If most of the people are, are through that model, but they're actually more on the experiential side, mm-hmm. what's the effectiveness of classical education, uh, not in the sense of classics, but, you know, the whole audio or visual on a person who really deals better with hands-on? Well, yeah, it makes me think of um, the Khan Academy, because uh, are you familiar with the Khan Academy? No, I'm not. The thing with you, Troy, that, that people need to remember is you actually have a real job with real work to do. So, um <laughs> I like me who I get to read all this crazy stuff. So the, the Khan Academy is kind of a it's it's a something was started online a, a few years ago. Bill Gates is investing in it heavily, and it's starting to be adopted by public schools here in the United States. But the concept is there are video lessons online, so just like you would watch a lesson on anything from math to science to history. But the way that they do it is schools that are adopting this is the homework for children each day is to watch the lesson on the Khan Academy. So uh, whatever, you know, science, math, or history, whatever the the subject is. But then during the day where they would normally have lesson planning, they actually, the classroom discusses what they watched. 
that make sense? Yeah, they're not. They're they're watching. So are they experiencing while they're watching, or is it still mostly visual intake? It's just visual intake. The, the difference in why people think it's so revolutionary is instead of kids sitting in a classroom being talked to or or talked to, they go home and their homework is to actually be talked to. And their daytime schooling is actually to discuss what they were taught to that night. Kind of flip-flop from the way I was trained or taught. Okay. That's similar, but not quite. Yeah. Let me give you an example. Jack actually kind of coined this for me. I was talking to Jack and David, and they both came up with good examples about this model. Uh, and we haven't actually t- haven't talked about the model yet. We'll come back to this. But how, how do kids learn to play video games? Well, video games make you do little teeny exercises before you play the real game and then you keep doing these little exercises and to, and then as you go through the game they introduce newer exercises and newer skills. I mean you can go back to the early 90s. I mean look at Mario Brothers I and mean, you didn't have all the great cool powers until you learned to get stars and not until you get stars did you learn to run fast and not until you grab the flag that you learn to jump high. So it actually taught you in little pieces by doing to, to accomplish Bigger things, yeah. They, the tutorial system is all about doing. What kid opens up a manual? In fact, what games now actually come with printed manuals? Well, Mario did, but then you know, you had to buy the cheap manual. But today, no. Games on the iPhone, you just get and you just play. I mean, you take something like Angry Birds. I mean, there's no manual on that, but you quickly learn about the physics and, and how the things react just by experiencing it. There's no learning. So they, they start playing and they die lots of times, metaphorically speaking, their character does. And then they get, you know, they say, this is sucks. How do I suck less? So they reflect on how, <laughs> what they're doing. And then they might go look up something and they might go back and read the, the online manual and just that snippet of information, or not the manual end to end, just what they need to know. And then they go back and apply it. And then they get a little bit better. And they, but I'm not, now I need to craft and learn how to, you know, become a smith and do my own armor. So they go and learn that. So, but they end up doing before they ever go and talk about theory or absorb the concepts, the abstract concepts that are more on the technical manual side. And it's completely true uh, what you said about the manual there. Because oftentimes if I get stuck in a game, I'll just jump out on YouTube and watch a 30-second how to get through that section. Yeah. Uh, if, if I get frustrated enough, get through that section, and then finally it does come to me. So, again, you know, not only am I learning by doing, but how I what I can't do you know, not, I'm not studying. I'm just I'm getting a quick fix, or, you know, a quick workaround to get around that section so I can move forward. Yeah, absolutely. So my, I'm actually doing going through this right now with my sons. We Guild Wars Two is a MMO, and uh, we've been waiting five years for the new release. It just came out, and we're absorbed in that after hours right now. Yeah, MMOs are, are a pretty scary uh, proposition because I think a, a whole other podcast. But I have someone in my life who is very special to me who recently, about a year ago, involved in an, an MMO and. Uh, about three hours a night, uh, this person just disappears. Yeah. Uh, and then I had a, a, a family member move in with me two years ago from Florida temporarily while he was changing or having problems in school. And I said to him, when he got here, are, are you, you know, are you going your friends? And he goes, all my friends are on Xbox. And I was like, wow. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. yeah. So one more example of this is David was talking to me and I was, and we were talking about how people learn software, even just business software. Very rarely do you actually open the manual. You open up a like a publishing package. You start publishing. You try to try this and that, and then you only go to the manual when you got a problem, right? And you want to figure out something new. So this this comes back to this model. We've only talked about learning styles, but now let's talk about the model, the cold model. So the concrete experience is the first thing that happens. Remember we talked about in show a couple shows back justifying process improvement, yep. service improvement. Yep. 
Remember how I said that most organizations will not move off the dime, choose to do anything different until they admit the status quo is no longer tolerable? You have to want to actually do something about your situation. And you only usually want to do something when it's painful not to. So experiential learning starts with the current state of affairs and basically say, okay, run how you're doing it right now. And then you, you know, your character dies in the game or major incidents happen, or this is what happens in the simulation that gaming works do that we are involved in and we provide as well. So the first round or two really hurts, really sucks. And then you sit back and you reflect, which is the second stage of this learning. That wasn't so great, right? Right? No, that really sucked. I didn't like that at all. Why do you think that wasn't so great? You ask them questions to get them to tell you why the current state of affairs isn't really tolerable to continue. Now you've opened their minds and you tell them what could be, which is now where you take the abstract concepts, the theory, the principles, and say, okay, here are some thoughts. Do you see how these things can maybe fix your current pain? And then give them a time to experiment on how do you improve the current state. So that's the last part of this learning cycle, which is the active experimentation in the cold model. But if I go to you and say, okay, here's the abstract concept, deal with this or figure out how to do this, you might say, yeah, who cares? Yeah. Because I don't see the problem. Yeah, I get a paycheck either way and it's not affecting me to the point where I I see an issue. Right. I, I am not the organization, so the organization can deal with it. So this experiential learning cycle starts with pain first and then gives you theory only when you're ready to listen to it. Now, Again, this is not for everybody. It's like uh, the Karate Kid. Yeah, wax on, wax off. Why am I doing this? Wax on, exactly. wax Exactly. He didn't, he didn't, he was not ready to understand until he was like, his arms were sore and sorry. You know, you know me and my cultural references. Because I'm involved in kind of talking to customers about what they want as far as their educational outcomes. And I'll say, okay, first of all, tell me, are people bought into this emotionally, heart bought in? Do they see the need? Is there an urgency concept here? And they say, if they say, no, we really are struggling to actually get them on board and they haven't bought in emotionally, they don't think anything is broken, then I'll say, listen, don't put them necessarily in an ITIL Foundations class and have them sit there for three days grumbling about, you know, what the heck am I doing here and why am I here? Get them into an experiential learning session first where they experience the pain and the, and the benefit of these principles. And I guarantee you they'll be asking for, begging for, the further knowledge of the foundations class as a subsequent. On the other hand, if they've already experienced the pain because of real life, because, you know, massive outages, whatever that is, and they've bought in and everyone's on board, sure, you know, send them to a classical educational experience because they're ready now for the concept and abstract thinking. So it really depends on where you are in your, in your learning cycle. Have you gotten off the point where current status is no longer tenable? So one situation, the classroom really works really well. In another, it's not your best Put forward. No, and I, I guess it must be difficult or at least interesting when you're working with an organization to assess where to start with that type of training. It, it does make me wonder, though, why people find it easier to admit something's not real wrong in a simulation, but not in real life. Is it? Is it? Uh, it's probably a too existential question, but no one wants to be told their baby's ugly, right? Yeah, that's what I wanted you to say. Well, not that, but I wanted I wanted to see if that's what you thought. But is that what it is? I mean, is it that simple? Sometimes I have a friend who's got a problem. There's an easier way to deal with it. Okay, right? You're right. You start talking about it in the third person. Sometimes now, some people really realize they have a problem, and they just they have to do something about it, and they're ready to tackle the issue. 
But if they're not ready, even even in the same organization, in our culture discussion of a few sessions back, we talked about culture not being universal at every level, in every department, every individual. So some people are great, you know, sitting through the classroom experience. Some people, like the, maybe the, the COBOL programmers or the, you know, the mainframe guys that are still there after 40 years, um, they don't see anything that's broken. So sitting them into a classical educational experience, not much benefit. So you might need to apply different learning styles in your organization according to different groups. Okay. But it starts with listening. Where are they at? You just can't say, here's a, you know, here's my hammer, so everything's a nail. <laughs> and that's why at Pink we have different things we do on this front. Because you want certification? We've got that. You want more how-to, consultative kind of conversation in the discussion, kind of allowing us to deviate from, you know, standard? Yeah, we got that too. You need to basically experience it before you believe well, we've got that. In fact, we have blend of all of them. So we tailor the situation to the learning need. Yeah, because I think there are three there. There's probably more in this model, but the way you just described it was the people who need the experiential versus people who uh, want the hardcore certification versus people who say, okay, I really don't want to play a game and to, to know what I already know. And I, I, the certification would be nice, but I really want to explore at a deeper level, what all this means and interacts. I mean, is that also a style? People who just want to go really crazy into it before they, because they just don't have the time for a game or a certification, and they, I don't know, they just want to connect to it at a deeper level? Well, this is back to the learning styles, right? So I'm an assimilator. I'm not a fan, personally, of experiential learning. I like to have deep thoughts about many things in my head before I ever come out with something. So... This whole concept of gamification and simulation, I didn't get it on a personal level until I saw it in action and I thought about it in the bigger context of our culture of IT. But assimilators, like me, prefer inside thinking, inside learning, in my head, in my head. If you believe what I was saying about the fact that I think that most of the people in IT are not assimilators, they're not inside thinkers, they're more hands-on people, then I'm in the minority here. Now, the other side of this and we've had this conversation too around the whole social media and the amount of sheer volume of data hitting us, crushing, crushing us. And so we've put up filters and, you know, I can only absorb so much. So I can't, you know, you have many more channels than I have probably, you know, so it comes back to how many friends can you have in your circle? Well, remember that, I mean, when you talk about, cause I, I consider social media for me to be a, a learning. <laughs> That's all, everything I get, uh, all my education comes that way. But the channels actually come because they create different types of learning for me. Whereas Twitter is quick, rapid, and you take something uh, from Google Plus, and there's usually dialogue and, and conversation and in and, and Facebook groups, there's that same type of collaborative thing. You know, so social's interesting, I think, you know. You learn from each other, that's true. Yeah, because the channels create different learn, learning experiences for me. But there's another part of this, is that the sheer volume of data has forced us into learning in small snippets of information. In fact, mm. we're ADD when it comes to actually sitting in a place for a long period of time absorbing vast amounts of quality of information without breaks, without some kind of change of pace. Uh, how many years have you been presenting at a pink conference? Oh, I've presented every one of them in 17 now. 17. So, hands down, what percentage of the audience would you think when David and George are up on stage... At, a, at the 30-minute mark, what percentage of the audience has glanced at a device at least once? Well, especially since we're promoting tweeting in the middle of the session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd say 40 50%. Maybe higher if they're checking their email. Yes, higher, even 75 Let's go back, not 17. Let's go back 10 years ago. 
What percentage was that? They still had laptops and things, but... Oh, 17. There, it would have been rude. Maybe 5, 10%. Can you go forward? What do you think? Well, I think we have, to, we have to have snippets of information. And this whole sitting in a classroom for a couple of days... Again, I'm not decrying that because that's necessary in some cases, but not necessarily to immediately get their attention. And like you said, some people prefer that. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And it comes back to the the culture of that individual, the learning self of that individual. So it's it's be careful again about, you know, setting up a communication plan where the email that you send out at the beginning of the project is your total response to how you're going to communicate. People are not the same. Don't don't treat them the way same way. Your educational experience has to be the same. Yeah, we do kind of just throw some form of education at the wall and see who it sticks with and who it doesn't, and then struggle culturally with why we aren't changing. This is actually similar to a learning model I picked up when I was in college. It was hook, book, look, took. Wow. <laughs> you got to hook them first. Yeah. Right? You got you to gotta capture their attention, capture their imagination. That's that uh, concrete experience of feeling current status quo. Then you can look at the book. and Now, this is a little bit different because the book would be the next thing in this where the concept, the abstract theory is presented. Then you reflect with the look and then you take it back, right, and do experimentation with it. I believe this is better. Uh, this cold model, I think the book and the look have to be reversed. Mm. Experience the current scenario. Reflect on why that sucked and why you want to change it. <laughs> and then talk about how it could be different and then experiment with it do something with it, make some improvements. And that's the whole principle behind a simulation. You go through that learning process multiple times. That hook book scenario reminds me of something I learned from Fatima. Is she CEO or what is she at Pink? She's CEO, yes. And uh, she said to me once uh, about a presentation, she said, give me five things that they're going to learn. And and the one thing I've taken away from that, and she was dead on about this, is if you tell people, these are the five things you're going to learn in this session, and then you deliver those five things, they just get so much more out of it than... This is a topic about, you know, noses, you know, instead of these are the five things I'm going to teach you about noses. But she told me, I thought, well, that's kind of silly. I wouldn't want that. It seems so elementary. And then, you know, experiencing it through the years after she taught me this, she is so right. <laughs> you got to hook them and then give them those five things. You know, they, they set their expectations. It was amazing. Prove to me why I should pay attention. Yeah. Right. Show show me. What's that? What's the state with show me state? Uh, so the show me state is Missouri. Missouri. Missouri understands experiential learning. I don't know. So, so, somebody's Googling it right now, but uh, I think it's Missouri. So not one size fits all. Uh, be careful of that principle. Yeah. Who are my stakeholders? What do they need to learn? How do they learn best? Where are they in the continuum of acceptance that things have to change? What's the best way to approach this? Because you've got to think this through. If you want to really get you know the value for what you're investing in education. And like with everything else in practitioner radio, this is you know this episode's really dedicated to understanding how you're going to get messaging and information to your employees, peers, uh, to your value chain, uh, to your partners, everyone. Because, you know, ultimately, if you go back to every single episode of Practitioner Radio, you, you need to understand there's, you know, one of these four ways is going to work best when communicating the pieces of that episode to your team. In fact, the whole thing about Practitioner Radio is about transformation. We've got a current set of activities, practices, and state of affairs. We'd like to do something different in the future. How do we get people to move from current state to future state and accept that that's actually a good thing? We're back to people again. Yeah, you and I are always back to people. You know what I'm back to, Troy? What are you back to, Chris? Troy's Thunderbolt! 
<laughs> I set you up for that one. Okay. When considering your education objectives, please pay close attention to learning styles that fit your organization's culture. Consider what you want to obtain and apply the right style in the right situation. You are all style in every situation, and it's always right. Thank you so much, Troy. <laughs> we will see everybody in two weeks. In two weeks, Chris. Take care. Thanks. Thanks.